There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have a car stopped in town and branch microbiome. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, and with me today is retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy, and I must say I love that open. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool, right? Yes. <laughs> Not bad. So, folks, um, this case of uh, Cassie Cawley, the missing Florida mom, it's really uh, quite concerning to me and anyone that's ever worked in law enforcement and you guys watching this, uh, we really fear that uh, something bad has happened to her. And I'm going to go over a little bit of the timeline right now. Um, law enforcement is still searching for a Florida panhandle mother who went missing after heading out to pick up her young daughter from the child's father, Marcus Spanavello. According to Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office, the 37-year-old Cassie Carley was last seen on March 27th near Navarre Beach in Pensacola Beach. Days later, law enforcement says Carley's four-year-old daughter, Sailor, was found safe with Spenavello in Birmingham, Alabama. Not much else has been revealed by law enforcement. You know, as of March 27th, in an interview with NBC News, Carley's sister, Rayanne, said Carly and Spanavello made a last-minute change to the location where they exchanged their daughter. The two had decided on Navarre Beach near where Carly had been staying with her dad. When Carly's father woke up later that night, he told Rayanne neither Carly nor Sailor came home. Carly's father calls authorities to report her missing on the 28th. Uh, and on the 29th, Santa Rosa County Sheriff Bob Johnson says deputies discovered Carly's car outside a restaurant in Navarre Beach. Her purse which contained all of her belongings, was found inside. Later that day, Sheriff's Office makes a post on social media asking for the public's help in locating Cassie. On March 30th, Santa Rosa County deputies make the trip to Birmingham to speak with Spanavello. Uh, Johnson said that when deputies arrived, Sailor was home with him. Child Protective Services checks on Sailor and Spanavello is interviewed by authorities. So as you can see, there's some concerning things right there. And uh, we'll do a deeper dive into it. But, um, Phil, obviously, uh, you know, they had these two had had a past. Uh, he's the baby's daddy, as we call him, uh, the father of Sailor, spelled S-A-Y-L-O-R, the four-year-old child of Cassie that they have in common. There's been some history. There's been some threats. Uh, almost all the time in these cases, law enforcement always says, oh, he's not a person of interest. He's not. And they mean the opposite. <laughs> they mean exactly the opposite. Everyone knows that he's a person of interest. Everyone knows that he's going to be the target of this investigation. And we'll dig deeper into that as the broadcast goes along as to why. Phil, your thoughts. First and foremost, here we go again. Another uh, situation with a, a missing wife, a mother of a baby. Uh, it's just very, very troubling, the whole thing. Uh, one thing I want to point out, uh, during the Summerwell's case, uh, we called for 
the removal of the other children in that home. And I'm calling for that in this case. There is a ton of circumstantial evidence. There were statements by um, Cassie to her brother uh, that if something should happen to her, uh, that he would be responsible, that Marcus would be responsible. Uh, he also made a statement that over the last two years, he, she, Marcus had been threatening her. There's enough here to say that that child is in possible danger. And I think that uh, Child Protective Services could probably go to the location, uh, whether he's living in that trailer or he's living in a home, whatever it is. And if they go into the refrigerator and there's a six pack of beer and an expired container of milk and a stale bread, uh, I think it's time to remove that child. Uh, besides all of the possible circumstantial evidence that's going to point to uh, violence in the, in the history and in the past. So Number one, let's call for the removal of that child. That child is probably not safe. That's a four-year-old baby. Let's get her out of the custody of, of Marcus until we can dig deeper into the investigation and find out what happened to Cassie. Now, with all of the things that are suspicious in this case, um, I watched a press, counts, uh, press conference by the uh, Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Department, and I actually watched it just a little while ago, and the sheriff that was giving the press conference made some statements. And I think it was very telling. He said, now she's missing since Sunday night. We're almost a week into it, six days. And he said, and I, I believe the press conference was from yesterday. He said um, that a person, there's no credit card activity, no cell phone activity. That's very, very unusual. I think where, uh, you know, you go through life. If you don't use your card in one day, that's unusual pretty much. I mean, people use credit cards for everything. The other thing, the cell phone, there's no activity on the cell phone. Those two things right there jump out at me. That screams suspicion that something happened to this woman. So with all of those facts, Billy, we called for it in the Summer Wells case within days after we said it. I don't know if it was because we called for it. The kids were removed in that home. Billy, I, I, I agree with you. I would take the kid right now. I would remove that kid. Immediately if not you, you err on the side of safety for the child, Absolute. and that's Absolute. what I would do. Yeah. One of the most concerning things to me is last Sunday, Carly's father, who she lives with, received a text message from Carly's phone saying she was having car and phone trouble. No one has heard from her since. Porter says uh, a friend named Porter says the child's father told Carly's father that he dropped her off at Porter's house, which Porter says was not true. So there's two lies right there. First of all, the text message is more than likely coming from Marcus using her cell phone. So if that's not a red flag, a more than a red flag, a blown up red flag, that something really egregious has occurred, uh, you know, and, and they even the sister and the family members said the text wasn't written in her, the style of language she would use and the punctuation. So it sort of shows that someone else had had um, control of that phone. Um, that brings me right to Brian said, Laundry, Billy, with the with the, the Gabby Petito case where the cell phone text messages uh, uh, didn't sound like it was her. So again, it sound, it's like a parallel situation. Exactly right. And she said also the text messages received from the sister's phone were not her specific speech. So you can tell how someone talks by the way they text and vice versa. And she indicated that I want to show her, this was taken off of um, someone posted this on Facebook. And this was supposedly from Marcus Spanavello. Uh, Sailor is with me. 
she wanted to be dropped off in the middle of nowhere in Destin with Sailor. Destin is a city in Florida. I told her I wouldn't let Sailor go like that to give me an address and I'd take them to it. Yeah, cops already call me and I might call again for more questions. If they do, I will, apparently, everybody will be asking me that. So I'll just copy and paste what I told your father. I mean, that's a scary text message to me. You know, it's showing he's trying to create an alibi already early on in this investigation. Very, very disturbing. The other thing is with that text message, he sounds like he's leading investigators to Destin, which was pro- which would probably be a location away from where she might she she may be. Now let's start at ground zero, Billy. Uh, police get called, a missing person, and the first thing they're going to say is where was she last seen? And they're going to say she was last seen. She was uh, that we know of. She was doing a, a, an exchange with the baby's father. And the other suspicious thing about that is why was the location changed at the last minute? They were supposed to be in one location to do the exchange. However, they chose this, uh, chose this beach area. And uh, from the, the video that I saw and the pictures that I saw, it's kind of a desolated area. And again, it was seven o'clock in the evening or a little bit after seven, where at that time of the year it's starting to get dark so again this is all very very suspicious a lot of red flags raised here and as you know billy in investigation of missing person cases the first thing we're going to do is interview the last person to have seen her alive and well and again we he's already caught in a couple of lies uh, i don't think he'll uh, be able to uh, come up with answers for a lot of the investigators' questions. I don't know if he's uh, stopped talking to the police or stopped cooperating, but uh, it sounds like the police are, you know, uh, the, the sheriff said that there's the, the, the whole major case uh, investigative team is on this missing person case. They, they have the help of the FBI. So uh, I think all the right steps are being taken. I don't have any problem with any of that. Um uh, and we know where this is pointing, Bill. You and I talked about it before we went on the air. So, Absolutely. Let's play a little bit of this. This is the family, the brother, the sister, and a couple of friends who started a search uh, for Cassie right away, and they were interviewed on News Nation. Let's play a little bit of this. So many people from high school come out in the last five days. It's fueling our fire. Like, we're not stopping until we have Cassie and Sailor home, and I have yet to meet a single person with a bad thing to say about her. Yes. I can't think of anybody that doesn't like Cassie or wouldn't want to hang out with Cassie because she is always cutting up and laughing. Like when I think of Cassie, the first word that comes to my mind is like joy, joy. And you can tell with the community rallying behind you and your family and Cassie's family and friends, just the rallying that has gone on. It speaks to how um, how much she is loved in this community. It's I've been on the phone really around the clock for the last 24 hours, texting, calling, and the amount of love that has been coming through. It's just, um, it, it, we can hear it in your voice. Um, can you tell us what it was like when you first, when you first found out that uh, Cassie uh, could not be located? Now, again, for the audience just joining us, she, on Sunday night around seven o'clock, she goes across the causeway in Navarre Beach to pick up her daughter. This was relatively normal, right, you guys? I mean, relatively normal to pick up her daughter on a Sunday night because um, her daughter was in her father's custody on the weekends. Do I have this correct? And then something went weekend. wrong. Can you kind of walk us through exactly what transpired? 
It was every other weekend and it was actually supposed to happen in Destin. It wasn't normal for her to be meeting him there. Um, Sometimes rare, maybe once or twice a year, she had met him in Navarre recently because we understand that there's a family that would babysit often for Marcus when he had his daughter two days out of 14. And for those of you, uh, Marcus is who was named yesterday in the press conference by the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office. Marcus is uh, the four-year-old daughter of Cassie's father, uh, who is in Birmingham, Alabama. But we'll get into that here in, in just a few moments. There's a lot to this story. And so what was it like when and when did you find out, all of you, when did you find out that Cassie had disappeared and, and what was that like and where did your mind go when you originally heard the news that that she was that she was missing? Our fathers, you know, since she resides with him, he was the first immediate red flag when he um, three hours later and she still was not home. Uh, and he contacted me the next morning, still just so worrisome. And of course I reached out to her friends. She is always in contact with her family and friends. Even during the exchange, she would have texted. So we immediately, our, our red flag was Marcus because she has always had some concern for her safety in general, but we know Cassie would have reached out to us yeah. if something was not looking right or suspicious. Yeah, she would not like it at all. Not like it. Mm -mm. So I, I wanna... we know beyond a shadow of a doubt she would not have left anywhere with Marcus, being in Navarre, her hometown where she grew up, and she could have called hundreds of people within a mile's radius to come and get her. Yes, and this is and this and is her daughter has been concerning is because now I have heard, we heard yesterday out of the mouth of the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office about her purse being located. But what do you what do we know about her phone? Because normally somebody goes missing. The first thing you do is you call them, you text them. Do you have any idea where we're not phone sure is? what has happened with her phone? We know that it wasn't in the purse. Um, we know that I mean, we've all been calling and texting it since we, we realized what was started happening Monday evening. Um, and it's gone straight to voicemail. Her messages, her text messages went from blue to green, which if you know Apple phones, you know that that means something something changed that shouldn't have changed. Um, we're, um, we're really confident in the Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Department. Um, we feel like they're working really hard um, and they're protecting whatever information that they may have because um, it's in the best interest of finding Cassie right away and prosecuting whoever's responsible for this disappearance. We, I, have a, I have a lot of questions to ask in the next, in the next few minutes. I know you guys have to go resume search efforts. You have places to yes. be and you're taking time out of your day to, to join us. And again, the reason that the family is here, folks, and friends of Cassie is here is for a very specific reason, to get the share count up on, on social media and to increase exposure. Um, again, looking for the missing mother out of Navarre Beach, 37-year-old uh, Cassie Carley. I wanna, I wanna hone in on the phone for, for just another second because Cassie's father received text messages from Cassie's phone. I think it was, was at some point that night and that was, I think that that was a bit alarming to the entire family. I don't wanna put words in your mouth, but you've told me that that was alarming to the entire family, correct? Yes, yeah. uh, that, the text messages my father received from my sister's phone were nothing 
of typical speak my sister would have said, mm -hmm. um, especially the claims of car and phone troubles at the same time. She would have she would have walked to the nearest gas station if she had to before getting Marcus for any type of help in a situation yes. like that. We're Something else I've looked at with these text messages recently is if you look at the way the punctuation is and the verbiage, he slips up. I believe in some of these text messages and leaves out words like he typically does in his own text messages. It sounds like him. And I want to just backtrack for, for our audience. Cause I know you guys have been talking about this so, so much, but you're what, what you are saying is that you do not believe that the text messages about the, the car being broken down, those text messages that went from Cassie's phone to the phone of her father were not sent by Cassie and we was do not, and you're we do not believe that those messages were sent by Cassie. And, and who At do you believe all. sent them? Marcus. Yes. Marcus. She's the last person me. to see her alive. She's been telling me for the last two years that so this dude has been threatening her. He's pulled a gun out. So She's worried. So She's never wanted me to come around. And She's always said, if something happens to me, it's him. And so there you have it, folks. Uh, so much um, evidence pointing towards the baby's daddy, Marcus. Uh, he also just uh, an addendum. He's a Brazilian national. So I don't know. I've never heard him speak. Potentially. He could be speaking in broken English, and maybe that's how he texts also, because they indicated that the punctuation wasn't of the text messages, was nothing close to what she would send. The other thing is, one of the things would be, if they can have get another set of keys to the car and just start the car and show that it never broke down, that's like slam dunk evidence. That was 100% a lie. So there's a, that, a lie that the car broke down, He's sending text messages from her phone. Um, he said that she he dropped her off at a friend's house that night, which he never did. There's three lies in a row right there, you know. So this uh, that the other fact is she left her purse in the car. What woman ever ever would leave her purse in the car? There's been no credit card or debit card activity. Well, obviously because she doesn't have them. Where is her cell phone? There's a big question right now. Where is a cell phone? Very good point, Billy. And I think the fact that the cell phone was in use uh, later that evening, that cell phone is going to be key to this investigation because they can track the whereabouts of that cell phone if it was turned on. And even if it's off, there's still pings that come out of an off cell phone on certain certain types of phones. Uh, I think they could get a roadmap of where that phone traveled to that may help in the search for Cassie. Um, again, his cell phone. Uh, let's, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a, a search warrant being done, uh, a subpoena for his cell phone records. Uh, it does take some time. I don't think they're going to get it immediately. It may be a day or so, but that may be helping and aiding in the search for Cassie. Because if you see the cell phone left the area of Navarre Beach, and where the exchange was supposed to happen, and then it goes to another location, and it stays there for a period of time, that may be where Cassie will be found. Um, so that's going to be very, very important evidence. And, they, and then again, we always talk about surveillance camera technology. 
there's surveillance cameras just about everywhere these days, traffic cams, uh, just, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the different areas of Florida may have plate readers and different things like that, tolls. So all of that stuff's going to be looked at. Uh, you know, from the early onset of this thing, when I started looking at it, I think I got a different perspective now from watching that press conference. I didn't know that the exchange was uh, going from Marcus back to Cassie with the child. I thought it was the other way around. So again, that sounds like uh, it could have been, uh, you know, uh, predicated that uh, he was going to do something ahead of time. Uh, he changed the location at the last minute. All very suspicious. All very folks. Suspicious. You know, in in the chat, uh, it's it's very common in in domestic violence incidents and just in custody uh, incidences that uh, the child will be exchanged in a police station right in yes. front of the desk, and that's probably the safest place you could make an exchange of a child if there's any kind of uh, bad feelings, if there's any kind of danger for for uh, the woman. Uh, uh, by the husband or the significant other or by the baby's daddy in this case. In this case, they had it worked out that they would exchange the child, I guess, every uh, Sunday night at a specific location, which they said most of the time was Destin, which is the town, Destin Beach. And for whatever reason, they changed the location this night. And it gets a little scary. I was referring to the text messages before, and here it is, right? Um, this is allegedly sent by Cassie. I'm sorry, Carl was acting up, and I broke my phone. I don't know if someone would say, I broke my phone. I don't know. Marcus is working on it. I will stay at his place tonight. He is paying me money to do some stuff around his house. And then the question, are you in PCB? No, the screen is jumping all over the place. Let me see if he can get this fixed, and I'll call you. They also mentioned, the sister mentioned the phone went from, um, from blue to green which means something changed in the phone. I'm not that I can I could just I could explain that when you have when you have a uh a, an Apple iPhone to an Apple iPhone the messages go in blue unless there's a uh, it could have to do with a reception problem or if the phone is shut off so then it goes to green and it becomes a text message as a, as opposed from an instant message is blue it goes to a text message. Uh, and that turns into green. So if you text someone that doesn't have an Apple phone, you'll get that green uh, background on the message, meaning that uh, it's a text message as opposed to an instant message. So again, at some point it, it goes to the green, which means the phone is out of range of service, has some type of a service problem, or it's shut off. It, it, more than likely, it sounds like it was shut off at that point. Let's hear from the sheriff, uh, Bob Johnson of uh, Santa Rosa County. And as you know, most women don't leave their purse behind when they go somewhere. So that caused us a little concern. Police have been in touch with Carly's ex-husband, Marcus Spedavello. They interviewed him in Birmingham, Alabama, and say he is cooperating and not considered a person of interest right now. Well, I can say it's an ongoing investigation, and he was the last one to see her that we're aware of. So obviously we, uh, we are intent on speaking with him again. Detectives are reviewing surveillance video. They say they don't have any evidence yet that leads them to believe this is either a homicide or an abduction, but say there are many red flags in the case. Missing persons cases, a lot of them, you know, we find the person, everything's fine. Um, but usually you don't go four days without hearing from them or them using a credit card or a cell phone or something. And right as of now, we have none of that. 
So yeah, we're concerned. Now, investigators say the search is now extending beyond Florida, and they're asking the public for help. They're asking anyone who sees anything or hears anything to call their local crime stoppers. And Adrian, I just want to point out the sheriff uh, that we spoke to earlier did say that even a small piece of evidence could lead to a break in a case like this. All right. we we. So, yeah, amazing. You know, and, and as per that, uh, they asked folks that if they had some pictures to send them into police. And there's a picture taken from someone who was on vacation in a condo nearby. And that is Marcus's truck pulling his trailer there. And further on up in the parking lot, that has been identified as Cassie's car. So is this helpful? Uh, yeah, I, I think it could be helpful, you know. Um, so we know that they have a track that we see he had his truck and he had a big trailer behind is that his typical modus operandi is he always have that huge trailer being pulled by his car was this special night and he had that trailer with him for some other reason that may be nefarious billy right off the bat uh that trailer and the pickup truck uh that would be something that i would be doing an extensive uh examination of for physical evidence and the whole area between where that tra uh, where that uh, vehicle is parked and her vehicle, uh, there could be evidence of God forbid, and and I hope that she's safe. But there could be evidence of blood. There could be evidence of a struggle. Uh, I would rope off that whole area. I would do an extensive search, and again, that vehicle would be uh, the highlight of my search. Uh, I would want crime scene to go through both of those vehicles extensively, as well as her vehicle, obviously. And uh, who knows what, uh, you know, real solid evidence may come out of uh, out of that uh, that area in those vehicles. And again, uh, we hope that she's safe and sound. There's nothing that would make me happier that she would pop up safe and sound. But we have to, you know, face reality. She hasn't been heard from since Sunday, uh, hasn't used the credit card, hasn't used the cell phone. And, uh, you know, uh, the investigators have to do what they have to do. This gives you a, uh, on the screen, we have a map of, of the area, and it gives you a little, um, it's very, very close to Alabama. Uh, Birmingham is really close to this area of Florida. It's in the, um, it's in the, the northwest coast of Florida. And uh, you can get some kind of idea of what it looks like. And then the town of Destin, I think, is very close by also, since that was the location that they would frequently exchange the child. Phil and I had spoke before about um, the ability of a four-year-old um, to be a witness, and I've had some experience in that. And they're they're not really not they just not they're not swearable. They're not they cognitively can't understand things that they may have seen, you know. So they're not really good as a witness. Uh, so we talked about that because could could the four-year-old uh, sailor may have seen something? Uh, yeah, but. They don't, they don't remember it. They're not be able to recall it, and they're not able to articulate uh, what they saw. So, a four-year-old, in fact, is not a good prospect to be a witness. Don't forget, too, Billy. When uh, by the time that uh, they did get to find Sailor and Marcus together, uh, who knows what he said to her over the course of days? If there was a fight that she witnessed or some type of violence, he could have, uh, you know 
over and over repeated, yeah, mom, mommy and I were fooling around. We were play fighting or res- who knows. But uh, I think it would be worthwhile to speak to the child. But you made the point that four-year-old is not swearable in court. It's not going to be something that uh, could lead to a successful prosecution down the line. I guess I'm getting a little ahead. But uh, I think it might be worthwhile talking to her just to see, you know, uh, was there a fight or something? You never know. The kid may uh, recall something that could be useful in uh, – you know, trying to locate maybe uh, a location that uh, they were driven to. Uh, you know, obviously she's safe and sound, but like we said in the beginning of the show, that kid needs to be taken out of the care of uh, of Marcus for sure. Annie Ove, uh, excellent point. And I, in fact, don't know the answer to this, and maybe you do. No one has definitively said by witnesses if Sailor was even at the meetup. Good That's point. a very good point, you know. Absolutely. Uh, no no one may know that at this point, you know, and um, obviously Marcus has told numerous, numerous lies. So why would we believe him in anything he was going to say in regards to whether or not uh, Sailor was with him during the meetup? Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you like this podcast, if you like our channel, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up and ring that bell. And you can also join our channel by um, going on our Patreon. We have three different levels. And also, if you want to join our YouTube family, I'd, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, Mickey Mantle, thank you so much for the $20 or 20-pound super chat. I don't, I don't know exactly what that is, but thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Uh, so our YouTube family, yeah, you could join us. We have five different levels. And you see the folks in the green font belong to our YouTube family, and we really appreciate you guys. I'm going to play a little bit of this interview with uh, um, her sister, and let's see what she says. She has to say to this reporter from News Nation. Well, time for you. When did you know something wasn't right? I knew immediately Monday because we talked daily. Uh, we were at the best we'd ever been in our relationship. And Monday when I hadn't heard from her, I knew something. And my dad called me, though, that uh, afternoon and confirmed my gut feeling that something was not right and he had not heard from her and tell us about his communication before her disappearance uh he he lives with she lives with my dad so uh she left out the door um just to a typical exchange uh go pick up sailor hi dad be, be right back i'm just gonna go grab sailor and he's okay no worries um drifted asleep but woke back up three hours later and there was no sign of her or sailor um home so that's when he began to worry for the worse so terrifying and and she actually i understand always picked a public well-lit place to exchange her daughter for pickup and and drop off but on this night they changed locations at the last minute tell me about that and then about the place where her car was found because that was in a dark parking lot right Right. Well, their normal exchange was in Destin at a Walmart parking lot, very well-lit public place, um, seeing as he resided in Panama City. But he had been conveniently working in the area recently uh, in the past month around the area of Navarre to save her that trip to drive all the way out to Destin. Um, so um, she decided to meet him at Juana's. And I think that was just one of the first public locations that popped in her mind that she was comfortable with that usually was uh well lit or popular with some people but um it, unfortunately it was dark that night 
And, and police are not talking about that exchange, but they did say that her purse was in the car. And then they also said that Sailor was safe the entire time. What do we know? What can you tell us? We know that Sailor is in Marcus's custody still, but she is not, Sailor is not safe until she is home with her maternal family where she resides normally uh, at dad's house with Cassie. Um, so we are still working on bringing her home. But uh, we are hopeful that we'll get some more answers for Cassie as well. And so there are so many questions and pieces that just haven't been put together, right, in this whole, in this whole disappearance of your sister. Police say they don't suspect foul play. What do you think? Let's just say my sister did not walk away on her own, did not disappear on her own. She has always said, you know based on his past actions and the issues with the custody agreement going on currently and all that, we knew when she, she would never leave her daughter either. So something was not right. Cassie would never um, just disappear like this ever or willingly get in the car with him to go somewhere either unless coerced or something. So we knew immediately uh, something was not right. She, this is, she was in the best, best, place ever right now excited to start a new job yeah and and they were sorting over these uh these sorting out these custody issues um and then the her ex and her daughter were found in alabama so what are the circumstances there was that something that was we, was normal we, well we did have knowledge that marcus has worked in alabama before and uh resided traveled back and forth whatnot uh my sister was aware of that too um so finding her there was not a super shock, but yes, um, we're not sure though if whether Cassie may be somewhere around that area. We are going to be heading that way and searching and hopefully finding more answers. And obviously there were concerns because she hadn't used her phone, her credit card, and then that purse in the car. What do you make of all of that? Just not like my sister. She would never, and especially if she were to leave on her own accord, she would have her purse with her. <laughs> I even joked a little bit. Had she, did she use her card? She loves to use that card. Um, no, there's been no sign or trace of her, but we do have hope that she is somewhere and uh, alive and we can bring her home. How is your niece doing? Sailor is okay. Unfortunately, we have not been able to touch direct base with her either. So we're hoping we can change that here within the next day or two, though. We're going through all the paperwork and legal stuff we need to do to bring her home safe. And, and she's such a beautiful woman, I'm sure, inside and out. And I know you have matching tattoos with your sister. Tell me about that. Tell me about the bond with your sister, because this is impacting a family in such a real way. You know, folks, uh, there's some people in the chat saying uh, when you heard them say that uh, the police say that he's not a person of interest. Well, that's absolutely not true. Um, they're saying that because they don't want him to uh, invoke counsel. He is the number one suspect. Uh, you know, I'd even go as far as to say that he's, you know, they use that term person of interest, but he's the last person to see her alive. He's told numerous lies people that aren't guilty don't need to lie you know he's made up stories uh i find that to be quite egregious i think that the police have a lot more information than us how about the previous family court agreement between these two what was alleged in that did cassie allege 
violence or the threat of violence from Marcus. It seems that she, she did because the family indicated that, that he's threatened her, that he's threatened her with a gun, that he's threatened her with physical harm. So he's absolutely 100%, I believe, a suspect at this point, not just a person of interest, a suspect. The other thing is, is some of you folks asked, oh, why did she just give her child over? Because the law told her that she has to, that she he is the, the child's father. He has visitation rights. So she absolutely has to comply with the court, the terms of family court in turning over the child. And he has to comply with also by returning the child at a certain time. Phil? It sounds like there was a custody agreement uh, in place. They said every other weekend that the child would spend time with the father. He, uh, The baby would stay with him over the weekend. And again, you made the great point. Uh, when a custody agreement has been arranged through the court system, if you don't uh, provide the child to the, the father who has paternal rights, uh, you could actually be held in contempt of court. And uh, there's a thing called custodial interference. So I don't think she willingly just turned the kid over like that. There are laws in place. There's uh, guidelines that have to be met with family court. And there was obviously some type of a custody agreement in place, even though there was these threats of violence and stuff like that, he still retains parental rights. Uh, it's probably established that he is the father. So, um, I think that's actually a side note at this point. Um, it sounds to me like there was a premeditated act here. Uh, again, that uh, uh, earlier before you played that video, one of the uh, people in the chat said, we don't even know that she was present at the actual exchange that was supposed to take place. He may have had uh, made decisions. You know what? I'm not going to uh, let my daughter go back with you. A, a fight could have erupted. And uh, who knows what violence took place after that. And now she's missing. I think all the points were made. She loved to use a credit card. Like I said, people usually, uh, I use my credit card several times a day. Uh, so there was no credit card use, no debit card use. Uh, again, the cell phone, we have the text messages. The verbiage doesn't sound like her. Sounds like it was him that was in control of the cell phone at that point. And it's not that far of a stretch to make those presumptions because as you stated, he was the last person to be in the company of Cassie that we know of. And again, the posture of law enforcement to talk to him and treat it as a missing persons case and, and stress to him, listen, th this is the posture that I would take. You are the last person I've seen her alive. Can you please stay in touch with us, help us, give us information so we can find her and keep him at a uh, at an arm's length where you can have him cooperating. You want him cooperating. You want him speaking to law enforcement. Again, uh, he, he's made several uh, missteps with lies on, on uh, whereabouts and stuff like that. So uh, once you have... Uh, you know, him cooperating, he can make statements about his whereabouts. And then you're going to look at the cell phone information. It's going to show where her cell phone was, where his cell phone was. And again, uh, you'll lock him into stories, uh, keep him at a cooperating posture. And I think that that's the right thing to do. Um, he's not dumb though. Uh, he's probably very well aware of what's going on as far as the investigation. He knows he's the number one suspect. Let's not kid ourselves. But as long as you have him in a cooperating posture and he can make statements about his whereabouts, about her whereabouts, the movements that took place, he makes this claim that 
She wanted to be driven to a desolated location. Well, did you drive her there? The cell phone technology is going to tell you if his vehicle actually went there. Now, he could be sharp enough and, and smart enough to actually have driven to that location. He wants to put the police in the area of Destin, it sounds like. So, again, he may have did that ride. Uh, he doesn't seem like he's stupid. And, again, if this is premeditated, which it sounds like it is since the uh, – the location for the exchange was changed at the last minute. So there's a lot of uh, indicators here that there could have been some uh, premeditation with regard to what he wanted to set up or what, how he wants the police to look into this. He wants to put them in one direction. However, I think that the search is probably most likely best targeted right in that area that you're showing Billy right now. I think that that would be the, the most area of interest that I'd be searching if I were the detective on the case. As far as the investigation goes, uh, you mentioned before, very super important. It seems like it's the, one of the most important things in almost any investigation this day and age. And it's two things. One is the cell phone and not a single cell phone, but his cell phone as well as uh, Cassie's cell phone, because that'll give us correspondence, but also gives us something called cell site locations and specifically on his cell phone that will build a whole uh timeline as well as a geographical area where he was at every single point uh of the time that they're interested in investigating those things can take a while to come back i know folks think that the police can just press that easy button and they get all that stuff doesn't uh, work that immediately way. it doesn't work like that the phone company uh, has their own um schedule and they'll get it to you as quickly as uh, as humanly possible. Other things, you know, is the, uh, you talked about it before, uh, license plate readers. They must have license plate readers around there. Let's see where he was. How about interviewing friends, family, co-workers of his, all right? Again, I was like, gonna this, get you know, they need to get search warrants. That's all of this stuff takes time. And they also need something called probable cause. A judge just doesn't issue or sign a search warrant if the judge doesn't feel that you have probable cause. So until you have probable cause, a judge isn't going to sign the search warrant. One of the things that's good that he did, he lied numerous times. So sometimes even when we talk about stop, question, and frisk, reasonable suspicion can go up to probable cause when someone lies to you. Because why are they lying? They're lying because they're, they're obviously guilty of something or they committed a crime and they're trying to cover it up. He's lied at least four times or been uh, less than truthful. Uh, the whole thing with the, the cell phone is, is scary. Again, it reminds us of the Gabby Petito case and Brian Laundry using her cell phone to text her parents about uh, the grandfather. I think he used the incorrect name for the grandfather or a name that Gabby would have never used. Same thing in this. He's texting almost in in his language or his the way he would text, leaving out words, maybe not using the same punctuation. So to me, that's a huge, huge red flag. And it's it's a little bit scary. And the fact that and I'm glad the person in the chat and we listened to you guys brought that up that is a very good chance that the daughter Sailor was never at the exchange. I Absolutely. never had even thought of that. Thank you so much, the person that mentioned that. That's a very good possibility. And probably 
a probability is she wasn't there, you know? So thank you again. And we do listen to you guys. And uh, Absolutely. look, anyone could, you know, that's why they say many ears and many eyes are very important. And because you see things and uh, a different way, you know, and that's why they say the old adage, if you see something, say something. Based on that, Billy, um, you know, in the early part of the investigation, I'm sure that the uh, detectives went to him and asked him uh, what happened, when did you last see her, and he came up with whatever story he said. But they're going to ask him about his whereabouts. Where did he go now? Does he live out of that trailer that's being pulled by the pickup truck? Uh, does he park it at a certain location, or does he live in an apartment? So, again, you made the point, Billy. Uh, I would want to know what his whereabouts was. So let's say he said, well, I parked in this area. I'd want to go to that area. I'd do a canvas in the area. I would talk to people, neighbors, friends, other people in the area. Or if he lives in an apartment, then I would, again, talk to the neighbors, friends, people that are in the area and see if we can, again, now we can uh, impeach his story. Uh, if he said he was here Sunday night and nobody saw him, then we can we can call him out on it if he was in another location. And again, there was a talk about that there was somebody else in the area that did babysit uh, the baby for a little sailor for him. I would talk to that person. Was Sailor with you on Sunday night during the period of time when the exchange was going down? Because that's a very good point that that person brought up in the chat. Maybe she wasn't with uh, Marcus when... Uh, he went to go meet uh, uh, Cassie at the location. So I would talk to that person. So all of these things are going to be very important. So we have at least two or three lies that we know of. There could be several others. Uh, we're going to punch holes in his story, his timeline, his alibi. Uh, and again, uh, all of these things. And I think a case is easily made to get Sailor out of the custody of Marcus. 100%, Billy, 100%. Yeah, folks, we're going to go to a quick break and we'll come back and take a deeper dive into the, the uh, evidence in this case. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. The secret to quickly hiring the best police officers before your competition does. With an extremely limited job candidate pool, law enforcement agencies have to quickly identify and hire qualified police officers before another agency does. That's why nearly 70 U.S. agencies have updated their hiring processes to include iDetect, a fast, affordable, non-invasive, unbiased, and automated lie detector. It accurately identifies lies by watching the eyes. iDetect also helps solve crimes. In an interview with Convera CEO Todd Mickelson, he shared stories about how iDetect is changing the way the world detects deception. Remember, the eyes don't lie. Converis.com, 1-801-331-8840, or you can contact them by email at info at Converis.com. You know, Phil, we've covered so many of these cases, and this also brings to mind the Maya Malete case mm -hmm. to underline the fact that none of this minus a smoking gun type of evidence is going to happen quickly. And that's why law enforcement, they take their time because they want to make sure when they're ready to pull the trigger 
on a potential arrest uh, or if something is found out, then again, we say this ad nauseum, they cross their T's and they dot their I's. Let's look into his past. Maybe there's an outstanding uh, some type of uh, a summons or something that they could grab him and put him into custody. And, uh, you know, let's keep on the search of Cassie. Uh, let's get the baby out of his custody. And uh, I think that's where the, the wheels will be turning and this investigation will be going in that direction. Uh, I hope that they have constant eyes on this guy. We don't want him to start, you know, trekking across the country to try and uh, change his location or anything like that. And, you know, there, there's too much suspicion here. There's too much uh, circumstantial evidence that uh, some foul play may be involved in her disappearance. And I think that uh, his whereabouts need to be maintained 24 uh, 7. Well, if anything, and, you know, he's a foreign national. Maybe they got to move a little quicker because he could flee the country. You know, maybe they should hold his passport. What, what to do all of that, you need to have probable cause you need to have more than what we're talking about now which we don't know what right. they have they potentially have a lot of evidence that we don't know about let's play a little bit of this little navarre beach the last known sighting of 37 year old cassie carley according to santa rosa county sheriff's investigators it was the drop-off location for a custody exchange with the father of her three-year-old daughter sunday night Reported missing on Monday, Cassie's car discovered in the back parking lot on Tuesday with her purse still inside. You know, I, I've been married uh, 32 years, and I'll tell you, my wife goes nowhere without her purse. So to think that she just left it there and just walked off is, you know, that's what concerns us. The father of the child, Marcus Spanavello, tracked down by Santa Rosa investigators Wednesday in Birmingham. The child found safe. While Sheriff Bob Johnson says Spanavello was questioned about Cassie's disappearance, he wouldn't elaborate on what was said. But friends of Cassie tell us the former couple were involved in an ongoing bitter custody dispute. Well, I can say it's an ongoing investigation, and he was the last one to see her that we're aware of. So obviously we, uh, we are intent on speaking with him again. The FBI and Florida Department of Law Enforcement are also assisting in the search, which goes beyond Santa Rosa County. This as detectives continue to go through surveillance video. We didn't just assign a detective. Our entire major crimes unit is working this. So you've got 10 detectives that that's pretty much all they're doing right now is trying to locate Cassie. You know, you hope for the best and you prepare for the worst. So that's what we're doing. Also determined to find Cassie, a team of friends, family, and volunteers who've had boots on the ground since Monday. They plan to expand their search further east tomorrow. I wish you could all see and know our Cassie. If you could know her for just one minute, then you would be committed to find her and be out here every day to to find her. So don't give up and don't give up on hope. We're going to find her and we're going to bring her home. You know, Phil, another thing that just as I was watching that uh, really bothers me is the fact that he was supposedly there to exchange the child with her, to give the child back to her. How does he now explain that? How does he explain that to investigators? Wait a minute. Oh, was he claiming that she was reckless? Like she was just looking to go out partying and she was going to go. He claimed she was going to go to Destin and she didn't have a dr address. So he wouldn't drop her off there. So did he, in fact, according to his story, just drop her off there and keep the child? But that wasn't supposed to be the deal. He was supposed to be returning the child to her. 
So that part of the story too, I have a problem with it. Well, right there, Billy, he violated custodial uh, uh, agreements. So I think they could probably, uh, based on that, remove the child from his custody. Uh, I'm glad that the FBI is involved in this thing. Of course, they may be able to get uh, some of the uh, cell phone uh, information quicker than, than, than normal with normal law enforcement, uh, you know, uh, being involved in the case. Um, yeah, there's, there's just there's, there's just so many things with this case. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I just... I really hope and pray that she can be found, but I'm not, I'm not very hopeful at this point. This is uh this is an ugly case. It seems like right now. And uh, again, the lies, uh, all the missteps that he's uh, coming out with. Uh, yeah. There, there, there's, uh, there's something going on here for sure. Um, Lou, Lori Stout, the friends and family stated Marcus spoke fluent English, but in front of the judge used his accent and swayed the judge. I don't know. I'm I'm amazed at what some of you guys know that we don't know. Uh, a tricky girl. If the suspect is not arrested, law enforcement can observe the suspect with hopes he will incriminate himself. Like Scott Peterson continually checking police activity at the marina and talking to Amber Fry. You know, the big thing in this case, and for Phil and I right away, we jumped on it is like, really, you're going to let him hold the daughter? He's no going to be able to have custody of this four-year-old girl. I don't. I don't like that. I want that that the girl taken away from him immediately, forthwith, as they say in the police service. You know. That's right. He sounds like he has an obsessive, compulsive behavior. Uh, he, you know, this is my daughter, and like that. So uh, again, I, I'm I'm very fearful of that child's safety at this point. And I can't implore them enough. I called for it in the beginning of the show. I'll say it again. That kid needs to be removed uh, from that person's, uh, Marcus's uh, control and custody. And, uh, you know, I think she should be right back with the uh, with the grandparents and, and the aunts and the uncle. Uh, I think she's much safer with them as opposed to him. You don't know, uh, you know, what's going through his mind. He's obviously under pressure. He knows that uh, he's being looked at. I mean, let's not fool ourselves. And our heart whereabouts are still unknown. It's very, very suspicious that there's foul play involved in this case. And he's the last person I've seen her alive. And I'm sure that they're talking to him, uh, you know, maybe several times a day. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not stupid. So, again, uh, let's get that baby out of his custody and uh then we'll go from there alicia b bill and phil is it safe to assume law enforcement have eyes on international airports what they can do is they couldn't put a flag yeah on him, flag him for sure. but they actually have to check themselves every day just about and to see if anyone of that name tried to get on a flight because it's not like it's not like you see on tv that easy button you know they just put it in all their computers which there should be a way to do that, but it's uh, law enforcement has to check on all of these things. Elise, Elise Goff, it's according to the child's ability to conversation with my granddaughter as far as she could tell you anything she sees. Elise, I'm going to have to disagree with you because when a four-year-old child sees something that is traumatic, they just totally bury it. And uh, my experience, we had a four-year-old girl that witnessed a double murder, and she wouldn't talk about anything uh, in regards to that. So it's different than having a four-year-old tell you a story about where they went that day with grandpa or, or their aunt or their uncle. But if a it's a traumatic 
experience and have them be a witness, it's, it's not happening. Bill, I have to comment on that. You make such a really good point. And I'm sure that that woman means well what she's saying about her granddaughter. Uh, you know, kids can be so smart. I remember I used to read my daughter a book uh, at maybe uh, three years old, and she didn't even know how to read it. And she would read it back to me from memory. So yeah, there's obviously things in a pleasant uh, situation. You know, I was laying down with my daughter, getting ready to go to sleep, and I would read it a book. Would have had one sentence on every page, and she would remember it and be able to read it back to me without being able to read. But again, you made the point when you're talking about something traumatic. Uh, you know, we have internal defense systems that, uh, even as a child, uh, they'd want to block it out and not remember it. So, uh, like you made the other point earlier in the show, that uh, a child of four years old is not swearable in court. Um, Every case is obviously different. Every person is different. So one child's ability to recall things might be much different from another child's ability. And again, what took place may have been of a traumatic nature to that child. And that child may want to just forget it and not talk about it. And they shut down. Scotty Wagner, the uh, re retired NYPD detective from the 2-3 squad in Spanish home, El Barrio. The U.S. Marshals should be brought in on board and that he's a foreign national that can shut down all routes out of the U S for him. They must return. They must return the child. The Scotty, we're hundred percent behind you, but they have to have, you know, reasonable cause to believe probable cause to believe before they can just do that. And I'm sure all the guys that are working on this and someone asked in the chat, uh, why does it, the fact that the FBI is involved in this case, tell you anything? Yes. One of the things it tells me is that local law enforcement requested their assistance Yes, the FBI have expensive toys that local law enforcement doesn't have that can tremendously help an investigation like this. In addition, he may have crossed state lines. I'm just going to say that. In the commission of a felony, which automatically brings the FBI on board. So there's two potential reasons why the FBI is on board. But the FBI has tremendous resources at their disposal, uh, the kind that... Uh, Local law enforcement does not have. Andy the Gabby Cabby was hey, a child Andy. present at the supposed exchange or somewhere else. Andy, we don't know that. Someone in the chat actually brought that up, and we were baffled because we didn't know the answer to that. Because no one, apparently, according to the person in the chat, and I wish I had uh, committed her name to memory, was that no one can attest to that. No one is a witness that the child was there. It was thus a total setup on his part? If so, where was the child at the time? Did someone else know something? You know, Andy, maybe you shouldn't be a cab driver. Maybe you should be a detective. You know, those are <laughs> those are great. Bring them on board. Those are excellent questions. Excellent Absolutely. questions. Absolutely. Billy, you know, I want to make a quick point. Could you put that up again? I just want to make a quick point about the text messages. Now, at the end, uh, Andy, now who comes from the UK, did someone else know something? He put the word N-O as opposed to K-N-O-W. And I don't think that that's... Um, you know, whether he spelt it right or incorrectly, that's the way he said it. And again, that text message, the family recognized the text messages from her cell phone early on in this case that it didn't sound like, oh, that's a perfect example of it right there where Andy, who's from the other side of the pond will say, no something meaning N-O and where we would spell out K-N-O-W. So I think that that's a point that needed to be made. Viv Hyde, uh, if, as he has allegedly said, that the mother flipped, should he not have gone to the authorities straight away instead of taking the child out of state? You know, great point. You know, it's it's a good point. But, you know, when you use the totality of circumstances, 
and you see how many lies he's been caught in, why would you believe that he's alleged this about the mother when everyone else that's around the mother has said that the mother has been perfectly normal and great with the child and no one else has alleged this? So he has an ax to grind, and that's why he put, he's lying. And he's been caught in numerous lies already. And, you know, it's I've seen these type of cases before, and I'm not prejudging him, but, you know, people that have good intentions don't lie four or five times. You know, uh, they tell the truth. And some of the lies were so egregious as to say that he dropped her off at her friend's house, which is so easy to prove that he didn't. He asked a friend, no, he never dropped anybody off. So to lie like that, when it's very easy to verify what the truth is, you wonder what this guy's thinking. You know, Billy, uh, another thing that's got me concerned about the child is this. Um, if he wanted to flee, now you said he's, I believe, a Brazilian national, you said? A Brazilian national, okay. yes. If he's a Brazilian national, he probably holds a passport. For him to get on a plane, obviously they may have flagged his travel plans or whatever, but uh, I don't think that the four-year-old is going to have a passport and would it be in his possession. So he's not able to escape with the child. That's the point I wanted to make. That places her in danger. You know what I mean? If he wants to flee and he can't just, you know, he knows he can't jump on a plane, even if he has his passport, because where, you know, does does a four-year-old have a passport? Maybe, maybe not. And is the passport going to be in the comp, in his uh, control? So those are some of the things that really got me concerned. And I really can't stress it enough. This kid needs to be removed from his custody. Michelina Serino, first of all, thank you so much for, uh, being on board and listening to the show. I can't imagine what that poor child is thinking. Uh, as Phil said, the father broke the order. Done deal. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they have a reason. You know, we talk about this all the time. And look, the investigators, we don't know a lot of the things that they know. And they know that if they push too hard, what do you think is going to happen? He's going to invoke counsel, and they'll never get to speak to him again. So they want to have enough evidence. They want to have enough things to challenge him with so that when they go in the next time to interview him, they have the advantage over him and not vice versa. They're going to lock him into a story, as I said, the first day, the first interview, you're going to get a good, hard, solid interview about his whereabouts, his movements, when he met her, what he did, where he took them, where he went, and where did you spend the night? Where did you go after? And then when you talk to him the second time, where where were you today? You know, those are all the things you're going to lock him in. And then you're going to try and punch holes in his story little by little. So, again, listen, you're going to keep the posture that we're investigating a missing persons case. We need your help since you were the last person that we know of that had seen the victim who is missing. So you want to keep him in that posture. Again, I point out he's not dumb. He's not stupid. He's going to talk and tap dance his way through that. How far he goes before he invokes counsel is yet to be seen, but uh, you know, he's going to continue to cooperate. And it's, we've seen it in so many cases. Somebody brought up the, uh, uh, the Peterson case and other cases at some point, he's going to say, Hey, you guys are looking at me as the, uh, as the suspect. I want to speak to my lawyer. I don't want to say anything further. It may happen today. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen next week. It may have already happened. But you know something? My feelings are is that you cannot tiptoe around that. You have to go at it aggressively when you have the information to challenge him with. 
and you have to go in and do it. And if he lawyers up, he lawyers up. There's nothing you can do about that. Absolutely. I think, I think that's probably a good uh, investigative step to have taken. I think it's, it may have been done already, but I would have, uh, you know, you have several lies already. I would have put him in the box and I would have went at him hard and strong and see if he, uh, if he, you know, if he broke, but uh, you know, and, and listen, you know what? It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, uh, a dangerous situation because if he doesn't, break and he doesn't but he does invoke counsel then you know you can't question him anymore so i guess that decision has to be made but i think at this point knowing what we know i would have done that bill i would have got him in the room and i would have punched you know i would have asked him one more time to go through his story and then i would have just hit him with all the lies and and i would have made the case that you know if something if if she's found and she's not safe and sound you're going to jail for it. and I, you know i would i would have did what i had to do what i do in the box i'm not going to go any further than that but i would have got my point across and again uh, it's one of two things is going to happen he's either going to continue to lie or he's going to invoke counsel or he's going to break you know it's it's one of those i guess it's three things it's one of those three things would happen but i think we're at that point though billy wouldn't you say yeah, I think that you got to always move forward. You can't sit and wait. I mean, I think they got enough information to definitely interview him and challenge him. All he can do is invoke counsel, you know. Uh, but I think it's also time for law enforcement to take the child. I firmly uh, believe that. Julie Couldn't LaRusso, be stressed enough. Couldn't be stressed enough. You're right about if that. If he did really. nothing wrong, he could have returned the child to the family, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, he could return the child to the family. In fact, I think the family is working on getting the child, so I don't know exactly what's going on right now. Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, so true, Bill. Phil, keeping him on a short lease while having him believe otherwise. 100%. And I think, Lieutenant Pete, that's why law enforcement is saying he's not a suspect, he's not a person of interest, which we all know to be uh, quite the opposite. And I think anyone with half a brain, even the suspect, knows that he's the number one suspect in this uh, um, uh, tricky girl. Whereas the child is with the dad. Yes, that's what we were talking about. That's why we think the child should be removed from the dad. Yes, she is with the dad. Uh, Bill, I would make an emergency petition to family court. Now, family court may not be in session on a Saturday. This could have been done yesterday or whatever. But I would make an emergency petition to the family court where this case obviously has been before because they have this custody arrangement. And I would make a petition to I'd get in front of a judge and I'd say, Your Honor, here are the facts of what's going on. She's missing for six days, primary care of the child. Uh, he only had custody on the weekend. The, the child lived with the grandparents and had a loving family. There was the sisters, the brother. And we believe that something, uh, you know, uh, foul play may have taken place, that she, her whereabouts are unknown. We want the child out of his custody because of the flight risks, all the other things. He's mobile with a uh, trailer pulling on, on, a, on a pickup truck. And I don't think you'd have a far stretch to get the judge to sign an order that, you know what, have the child removed from him and put back in the care of the grandparents pending a future hearing or a future court date. That should be done immediately, immediately. And I'm not even a lawyer, and I think that that argument could be made. I 100% agree with you. Let's hear a little bit more from the family. No, there are also other possible individuals that have spoke with him. If you know anything, say something, please. Any tip is not too big or too small. Um. He works in Alabama, so we know that's where he is. And we're confident that the Santa Rosa 
County Sheriff's Department is following the proper legal avenues to make sure that nothing is slipping through the cracks and that we're going to be able to carry this all the way to prosecution if that's where it comes to. And um, so we're, we're very confident that they're doing exactly what they need to to bring Cassie home to us and to make sure that they don't let whoever's responsible for this get away with this. This story now starting to reach um, not just a national audience, but there's even publications around the world that are starting to pick up on Cassie. That's Carly's. what we want. We That's want the we world want. to be looking for Cassie. She would be here if she could be, and she would help every single one of you in this exact situation. We want the world to be talking about her, looking for her, and looking at anybody else that they think could have anything to do with this. And that's why we've activated Share to Help on the bottom of your screen, uh, sharing this out on Twitter, sharing this out on Facebook. Again, getting these images out there to as many phones and devices and eyeballs as possible in the hopes of finding uh, Cassie Carly. Uh, coming back, before we let you go, we, only, we know you have only just a couple of more minutes. I bring up the national and international media attention because of how rapidly this has been evolving over the last several days. I wanted to give your family and, and, and Cassie's friends and family, everybody, just the opportunity. Is there anything that is being reported that has been erroneous? Sometimes when you have various agencies reporting on a story and they're not located here in Florida, things can get taken out of context. What do you most want to either correct or the world to know about this story as it continues to unfold? Um, you know, we're trying not to let the misinformation get out there. And I think I've seen a lot of people who take something from three days ago and are applying it today. This is a constantly fluid changing situation that we as Cassie's friends and family are really just doing the best we can. Luckily, one of Cassie's great friends, Sam Graves, has um, passed law enforcement. We've, it's amazing the village that Cassie has built that have come together and are literally just putting all of our heads together and sharing and searching and thinking and praying that she gets to come home. Yes. Um, and I just want it to be known too, that my sister was in the best place. She was so happy and hopeful for the future. And there is no reason to believe she would ever choose to do something like this on her own ever. And she yeah. would never, ever leave her daughter Ever. The only time Cassie has not had her child during her custody time, which is 85%, is when Marcus has taken her previously against the law, and we've had to get the law involved to get this baby back two weeks later. This has progressed. This has been escalated, and we want this to be a lesson for every future Cassie, that this needs to stop, that this is not okay. It's becoming all too often, and we're not having it. We're not having it. Yeah, she disappears right, right before he's got to pay. We will not be quiet. Yeah, we will not. Yeah, yeah. right before he's got to pay. pay all the attorneys' fees, like it's it's money too. Yeah, it's just sad. What is the plan for today? I know that there have been routine search efforts going on all week, and and some of the video that we'll play here, you'll see some of the search efforts. Um, before we let you go, where is the family? Where are you guys heading? And uh, what is the plan as the search continues for Cassie Carly? We're going to keep linking up with the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office, um, putting our heads together and searching every tip and lead that comes to us. Um, there's nothing too small or too big that you guys can call Crime Stoppers. Um, it's star star tips 
T-I-P-S. You can call the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Department, 911. Um, there's nothing too small that can't be shared. We're going to keep looking until Sailor and Cassie are home. So obviously the uh, family, uh, you know, your heart goes out to them. They're searching. Uh, we, we hope there's a positive uh, ending to this situation, but it seems somewhat bleak. Bob Murphy, uh, Sailor has since been taken by Alabama Child Services. Bob, I have no information on that. If you do, I hope that's true. I, I hope, hope that's true, true because I the, think the argument is right there. Because did you see what the, uh, the the friend said in that last clip you just played? That there was a two week period where they couldn't get the child back, and there was a court order and stuff. So he's violated this before. I hope and pray with that last comment is true. That kid needs to be out of uh, uh, the, the custody and care of Marcus. And, uh, you know, uh, it does sound like there's a premeditation here based on all of the backstory that we're getting now, Bill. You know, uh, there's, something, there's something that was uh, in the works here for sure. And like the friend stated in the, in the last clip that you played, this has been building. It's been getting... Uh, more and more, uh, you know, egregious to, to, to deal with him. It sounds like he had a pay now. It was uh, a lot of motive here, a lot of motive to bring harm to this, uh, to this young lady, a lot of motive. Absolutely. Folks on the screen, we have report a tip 850-983-1190. Uh, we, we, you know, we're hoping and praying that there's a positive outcome to this situation, but it's, uh, it's not looking great after it's almost coming on a week. Uh, tomorrow will be one week that she's been missing. Uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of red flags in this case that um, that really are concerning to anyone that's ever investigated this this type of crime, uh, this type of missing person. And it's just just horrendous. Phil, final words. Final words, Billy. I'm so glad you put that up because we need the public's help. We got to get the word out. As much information that could be put out where there might be something that somebody saw something that could lead to us finding the location of Cassie. Uh, the other thing is I hope law enforcement does not drop the ball like they did in the Brian laundry situation where uh, they saw someone leave the house and they had only video cameras set up. And it turned out that uh, they, they thought it was the mother. It turned out it was Brian. And that turned tragic as we know. Uh, again, let's hope and pray uh, God bless this family. You could see that this is a beautiful, loving family. Uh, let's hope for the safe return of Cassie. And uh, I'm just hoping and praying that that last comment is true, that this uh, young four-year-old sailor was removed from the custody of Marcus. And uh, we're going to be on top of this. We'll keep uh, looking into it. And uh, when need be, we'll get right back on the air about it. Thank you for everybody in the chat, all the listeners. Um, and let's just try and... Uh, Get Cassie home and get that little baby uh, back home with uh, with Cassie's family. Folks, uh, again, we're going to stay with this uh, case. If any uh, breakthroughs, any uh, more information we have, we'll come back on the air. But uh, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just